read none of these summer classics TBRs that I put in the July episode. Neither did I. <laughs> Don't worry, we won't tell anyone. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're answering more questions about classic literature and talking about what classic books are on our fall to be read lists. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. In July, we took some time to answer listener questions about reading classic literature. Heavy air quotes around classic literature. We defined classic lit and what it means for us And we talked about putting off classics because they're always there to read and which classics were on our to-be-read lists. We didn't get to every single question, so today we're answering some more. And we kind of split them up, saving these questions for a back-to-school episode because they have to do with a little bit more of the academic side of classic literature. And it's September. Nice. I like how you break stuff up like that. Also, uh... If you have questions for us about books and reading, podcasting, more than likely about Penny, or just about us, please submit them via email or direct message. We'll release an Ask Us Anything episode that will commemorate our one-year podcast anniversary, which will be in October. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Hard to believe we did this for a year. I know. We'll talk about that in October, though. Save it for the pod. Save it for the podcast. <laughs> Let's get right into these questions. Our first question is from Rachel. And she asked, what is your favorite classic that you read in school? And school to me means high school school. or college. Well, this is expansive. I only thought of high school. Oh, you thought high school? Well, we can keep it to that. And then a favorite book that you read outside of school. Okay. Well, I guess since I limited myself in parameters, I guess my answer applies to college too. So Mm -hmm. I always liked reading Shakespeare in high school. Like we did the classics, like romeo and juliet and much ado about nothing and all those things and then we would always go to see plays in the theater um, when we started dating um, but i always enjoyed reading them because it's kind of like kick starts my problem solving process and it always sparked good discussions in classes which is why i feel like those were my favorites is you have stuff to unpack and talk about and then it makes for a good quality conversation and then i ended up liking it so much that I took a couple of Shakespeare classes in college, even though English was not a minor or my major. It's just something that I enjoyed reading and talking about. Um, And then I also really liked The Odyssey for a lot of the same reasons. Um, Are you giving me a look about the fact that I like The Odyssey? No, I like The Odyssey too. I like teaching it. Yeah. Did you like it as much when you were in school versus teaching it? I didn't or... read it in school. No? I didn't read it until I taught it. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I-, I really enjoyed reading it and still have a copy and go mm-hmm. through it. Maybe we read snippets of it in Mr. Watchery's class. I read it in Watchery's class. I don't think we read the whole thing, though. Newsflash, guys. We had the same ninth grade English teacher. We had a couple of the same teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Which always sparks some fun discussions. Um, and then outside of school, I was always into like the mysteries growing up and i really liked it was probably started by wishbone when they talked about um sherlock holmes but i always liked reading the hound of the baskervilles and those and i have like a complete annotated work of sherlock holmes 
So I think those were probably my favorite classics that I read outside of school because that wasn't part of any curriculum that I ever took. But Sir Arthur Gordon Doyle, Sherlock Holmes, I would say would be my favorite. That makes a lot of sense. I know you were kind of struggling to answer this earlier when you were working on that outline, but yeah, this totally makes sense. You know what happens when I have writer's block is I just go into my library and And stare at at your books. Stare at my books and then organizes my thoughts. I think that's smart. Um... This was really hard for me to answer, particularly because uh, this is the first year since high school that I'm not reading for school. A little because bit of a brag, but also went, congratulations. Well, I don't know if it's bragging. It's just a matter of time. After high school, I went to college and I was an English major for my bachelor's degree. And then I started teaching English. And then a year after that, I started my grad school program and completed my master's degree in English. So like that entire time I've been reading classic literature for school. Um, So it was really hard, first of all, to pick a favorite from school and then to pick a favorite outside of school. So I went with a favorite that left a big impression on me in high school, which was The Awakening by Kate Chopin. And I remember reading this senior year of high school in probably AP literature. And it was one of the first texts that I read by one of the only texts that I read by a woman in high school, which is really sad. Yeah, The Awakening definitely is still one of my favorites. I really like Kate Chopin's short stories too, but that is one that I remember fondly from high school. And then one of my favorite classics that I read outside of school was actually for this podcast, Um, If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin is definitely on the list of my favorite classics. And I mean, that was for the podcast. It was almost like an assignment, but it had nothing to do with school. And I got to approach it in a totally different way. And um, I have especially fond memories of discussing that one with our best friends. Uh, Our next question is Greg asking, why in the world should I read a book that's 200 years old like some classics? I love the sass of this question. Come on, come on, Greg. It's like, why should I even bother? I love it. But I mean, we discussed this in our first episode in July where classic literature doesn't have to be 200 years old. It can be something more modern. Um, But to answer his question directly, I like a lot of things that are 200 years old. It's all about like looking through it with whatever lens you're trying to like examine it from. Like if you're trying to look at it from how it was back in the day or a modern critique on it you can approach it from both of those angles but then still find something worthwhile for today like i think most of my stuff was over 200 years old your stuff is more modern we define classic literature differently but i still think it's worthwhile to read stuff that's that old my answer is he doesn't have to read the classics if he doesn't want to and that goes for anyone who doesn't see the value in the classics. You don't have to read them. There are modern books that are just as good, if not better than the classics, and there's so much to read. So I would say no one has to read the classics. And if you feel like you only feel like you should because you need to feel more educated or academic or something, like that's nonsense. And that's really elitist, I guess. Um, But... On the other hand, like, I do think there are some classics that really, truly are worth reading. Um, Just from what I know of Greg, because Greg is one of our most interactive (laughs) listeners, um, and we've had, like, conversations with him via direct message. 
um, which you can send us messages on Instagram or email us anytime. Um, I think that he would probably get a kick out of our uh, fall buddy read, The Count of Monte Cristo. Mm -hmm. Like, it's an adventure story. It's super long. I think it's certainly at least 200 years old, if not more. it is. Certain classics, just because it's old, doesn't necessarily mean it's boring and doesn't necessarily mean that the language is hard to get. I think a lot of people are turned off by classics because they're perceived as difficult to read, but you can read a classic that was from the 1960s and that's certainly more like accessible language-wise. I think with a little bit of help from spark notes and some concentration or maybe an audiobook, it's easier to read Jane Austen. A lot of her language is pretty modern. I am with you, Curtis, where you say like classics have value and you can really enjoy them. But also, if you don't want to read classics, just don't. You don't have to. What we're saying, Greg, is you do you, man. Don't kick me out of the League of English Teachers. <laughs> You have a League of English teachers? Shh, it's a secret. Okay. Also, The Count of Monte Cristo was uh, completed in 1844. Okay. Our next question is from Angela, who asks, I recently read Gaskell's North and South and struggled with the portrayal of women as weak, fragile, and needy. It completely ruined the book for me. How can we read classics through a contemporary eye while still appreciating that books reflect the time when they were written? I feel like I kind of addressed this in the last question, and why don't you take the first swing at it? Well, this might be a little bit long. Go. (laughs) Okay, so the answer to this question depends on what kind of a reader you are. If you read purely for escape and enjoyment and to sort of check out from the world, then you might just have to choose the correct books where you don't have to do a lot of additional analysis in order to enjoy it. Um, Classics that I would recommend for that are, um, like if you are interested in something like Elizabeth Gaskell, I would say Charlotte Bronte um, writes women that are actually strong and bucking against the norms. And um, Jane Austen does this. It's certainly in a more subversive way where you have to read between the lines a little bit, but that's that's for if you're like really an escapist reader and you just want to read for fun, you don't want reading to be any sort of like extra work. On the other hand, and I definitely identify with that, sometimes I just need an escape. On the other hand, um, if you're like me, you might also really enjoy reading to learn or reading to analyze and deconstruct things. And I really enjoy that when I'm reading a classic. So you can read a classic and analyze the ways in which, you know, you don't like how the women were portrayed and you can use the, I say the feminist lens, it's because there are these critical lenses, they're called. um, And that is the way that, that I teach my students to read literature that a lot of English professors will teach. You can read the under the feminist lens and you can analyze the way that women are portrayed in the text and how gender is portrayed in the text in general. You could use the historical lens and just look at the time period and see how things were different from today. You can use a racial lens and you can focus your reading on how race is portrayed in the book and how that impacts the characters. So you can use these things to analyze the book 
as you're reading and sort of deconstruct it and decide what you like and don't like and make that part of the reading experience. That is much more school focused and not everybody likes to read like that. Um, I really enjoy reading like that. So I guess I would say reading classics through a contemporary eye, you either need to choose classics that will allow you to just enjoy them um, and not be problematic for you, or you can choose to read and turn that into a learning experience if that would be fun for you. I don't think you need to appreciate every single book in the time that it's written. There are certain books that I think are just awful because they are racist and they're super sexist, and you can just enjoy hating them. But like I said, there are some other books like Jane Eyre or Pride and Prejudice that maybe on the surface you're like, mm, these gender roles are so ancient and I really don't like the dynamics. But if you dig deeper and you look further, you realize that the female authors of the time were actually writing really subversive texts and were actually writing really modern characters for the time. And analyze today and you'll see that there's not a lot that's different. Um, the human condition hasn't changed a whole lot in 200 years, so you're still going to find some themes that resonate today. I feel like this is the most difficult thing when, um, like with teaching English, if you have books on the curriculum that are this are that are old and have those sort of archaic things, the only way to ha- help students enjoy it is to somehow either make it a deconstruction activity where they get to um, sort of break it down or connect it to today and really try and find the common ground. So that's my lengthy way of, again, saying you have to know yourself as a reader and find what works for you. Um, But I personally really like reading classics in order to analyze them and dissect them from a modern point of view. Not to bring it back too much to another classic, but, you know, Sun Tzu used to say, know yourself. So <laughs> if you're going to read classic literature, you just got to know yourself and know what you're looking for. So that was where some of our questions about classics that were more scholastically aligned. Um, and then we're going to get into our fall classics TBR. Why don't you go ahead and start off? Okay. One book that I would like to read this fall is Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen. And this is more of a fall text to me because Jane Austen is making fun of gothic novels in this book. Um, And gothic novels are, like Jane Eyre would kind of fit in this category where you've got like ghosts and you've got a dark castle and you've got a little bit of mystery and you have this like torrid romance. Um, And... In Northanger Abbey, Jane Austen sort of uh, gets meta uh, with it, and her main character is obsessed with gothic novels, and you get to see how this impacts her. Um, It's one that I haven't read yet. It sounds like it would be a good one for Autumn, so I would really like to read Northanger Abbey. My first one we already mentioned is going to be our fall uh, buddy read, but I'm going to start it this month, and that's The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumois. So I don't think it's Dumois, it's Dumas. No, it's du- isn't that what I said? <laughs> <laughs> you say Dumois, isn't like what? you're adding a little flourish on it, but there's it's just fl- Dumas. No, there's, 
I looked it up. I feel like we're saying the same thing. We're definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to figure this out before the episode. We're going to have to. Uh, Stay tuned, folks. Um, But I have read The Three Musketeers, seen the movie, seen The Count of Monte Cristo with Jim Caviezel. Um, And then I read The Black Count, which was about Alexander Dumas' father, who was a admiral who kind of lived the story of The Count of Monte Cristo, where he was exiled by Napoleon, escaped from prison, all of that stuff. And then that was kind of the inspiration for The Count of Monte Cristo. So having that historical background about his father, I'm intrigued to read this for the first time and kind of see how it compares. And it's mammoth. So I'm looking forward to starting it and kind of breaking it down into manageable chunks. Um, another book on my fall list is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Have you never read it before? I've never read it. I've read lots about it. Um, I think the story behind it is really fascinating, but I have never actually read the book itself. And obviously that's a good like fall Halloween kind of reading choice. So yeah, I'm looking forward to reading Frankenstein. I have a really pretty copy of it. (laughs) I just (laughs) haven't read it yet. I did try and pick all of these fall classics that are on my list are actually on my shelf. Nice. What's your other one that you'd like to read? Uh, I only have two because they're both relatively large, but I'm going to start On War by Carl von Clausewitz. So he was a Prussian general in the early 1800s and passed away before he finished this book but it's a collection that was published posthumously by his wife and it's one of the more famous books on military strategy ever and is still studied at uh, like army colleges like commanding general staff college when you get higher up Um, and it's I've heard about it and studied parts of it through my strategic thinking classes from grad school Um, And it's kind of an analysis on the French Revolution, Napoleon, and how they conducted war, and how that strategy changed and basically was implemented going forward. And a lot of the stuff he talks about is still in our strategy books that we're talking about today. So like centers of gravity, how the fog of war works, and like levels of critical thinking as it compares to like making strategic decisions. So... I'm intrigued. Um, I think I found the right translation is the issue. So with, mm. like with these books, sometimes the translations go back and forth. Yeah. Um, so I think I found a good one. It was by the Princeton Press. So you think those scholastic folks would get it right? <laughs> and so those you are my hope only. So. Those are my only two. What do you have for your last one? Uh, my last one is Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner, and this is a campus novel which means that it takes place on a college campus, which I think is always delightful to read in the fall at the back-to-school start of the season. And it's been on my list for a long time. I have a really cute Penguin Classics copy of it with the orange spine, and even the cover just invokes the autumn season, so I would really like to read Crossing to Safety. It's a nice and short one, too which Northanger Abbey is short, Frankenstein is a little bit longer, Crossing to Safety is short. Um, Our buddy read is really long, so I'm glad that we chose to stretch that out over three months. Mm -hmm. 
So we've been talking about books that we're going to be reading in the fall, and as temperature drops and we prepare for cozy, cool evenings, we've got a budget-friendly date night recommendation for you guys. You can grab a bottle of wine, start a jigsaw puzzle on your kitchen table, and listen to an audiobook from Libro FM. Libro FM is our favorite audiobook subscription service, and for our listeners, they're offering three audiobooks for the price of one. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. And when you set up your account, you can choose to support your local independent bookstore. With Libro FM, you get to listen to amazing audiobooks and support communities. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, Libro FM has curated lists to choose from, plus bookseller recommendations. Listeners of the He Read, She Read podcast get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. That's three audiobook credits for the price of one. We've made the switch to Libro FM and hope you will too. You can go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the promo code H-R-S-R, or go through the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing you're supporting local bookstores. Like our last classics episode, I have some other classic literature recommendations that sort of go with the current season. So if you haven't listened to our summer classics episode, I do recommend going back and checking that one out if classic literature interests you. But today we have some recommendations for you to read this fall. And I kind of went for either books that you would be likely to encounter in a school setting or books that sort of encompass the like cozy, cool evening vibes of the fall season. So first we have short stories by Edgar Allan Poe. A lot of kids read these in middle school as part of their literature unit, and that's partly because they're just really accessible stories to start analyzing and learning about literary terms like symbolism and theme, but also because they're creepy and they're fun and kids like creepy stuff. Kids do love creepy stuff. Um, So these are really fun to read aloud if you do have kids that can handle creepy stuff and you do read alouds as a family. These are also just fun stories to read as an adult and sort of uh, remember how scary they were when you read them in middle school or to um, just enjoy a creepy tale yourself. Um, Let's see, The Telltale Heart is a great one. Um, I really like The Mask of the Red Death. So... The short stories are available online for free, um, and I'm sure that there are some free Kindle copies that you can get as well, Um, but there are also some pretty affordable short story collections from Edgar Allan Poe, so that's one recommendation. Did you remember reading those in school? No. Um, Really? No. I don't think I read them in school. But I do remember a collection of the great illustrated classics with Poe stories that I got. Um, But I think I just read that on my own from the library. That checks out. Another fall book is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. I mentioned this one earlier. I've read Jane Eyre like five times now. (laughs) Um, One time, willingly, the rest for school. I really do like it, but what I've realized is that I only like reading it in the fall or winter because when I was trying to read it in the spring, it just, I really didn't want to be in that book. It's dark, it's gloomy, it's gothic, it's wonderful, but it's not the most hopeful, sunny, bright book. It's 
really great to cozy up with in front of the fire. Um, there is a lot of fire in the book. <laughs> so um, Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte is totally worth reading if you haven't read it. Um, you do have to do a little bit of that analysis that I was talking about to sort of like get past the gender norms of the time and see how Charlotte Bronte was actually being extremely modern and subversive in her writing. It's It definitely qualifies as a feminist text. Another book, I think that this one falls under like books that kids should be reading in school um, or books that I've seen on curriculum. 12 Years a Slave by Solomon Northrup. Um, this is the story of Solomon Northrup who was captured as a free man and sold into slavery. And there's also a movie. So I think that that always helps with classic texts is if it's difficult to access the book, watching the movie and reading the book or having the movie as like a goal at the end of it helps a lot. So I think the book to movie adaptations are really helpful when reading classics. Mm -hmm. um, two more, The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro. And this is a tale of a British butler and he finally like goes on a little vacation for himself. That's not the best way to describe it, but he's on like this little road trip and he's reflecting on his life. And it gives those like British cozy vibes, but there's also a lot to unpack. It's really good. Nice and short too. And then I think Agatha Christie is such a perfect author to pick up in the fall, especially if you love mysteries. Um, one that comes to mind is And Then There Were None. And this is a text that I've actually seen in schools as well. And the audiobook is really good too. So Agatha Christie is another great author to look at. Let's talk about our recommendations of the week. And these are all, actually, no, mine have to do with books and classic literature. Mine, huh, never mind. Mine do not. <laughs> you sorry, go first then. So, sorry to mess with the theme. Um, I don't know what it is about the fall, but it's trailer season. So like a lot of stuff dropped this week that I'm really intrigued by and wanted to talk about. Um, one of them that I don't, it didn't drop this week, but I saw it and got super excited for it and we actually had the conversation of do we need to get disney plus um and it's because of the mandalorian so the mandalorian is going to be a series on disney plus um created and produced and i think directed by john favreau who did a lot of the marvel movies he is lion king he did is that the, him yeah he did the lion king too which um, meh it wasn't the best. Um, but people seem to like Chef and some of the other things that he's done. Um, and so the storyline is really something that I'm interested in. It's not Boba Fett, but it is like somebody that's in a Mandalorian suit of armor. So Boba Fett is a Mandalorian, but not all Mandalorians are Boba Fett. Everybody who doesn't know Star Wars just heard... That's what I heard in my head. I did enjoy one of our recent reviews where people <laughs> were enjoying my ongoing love-hate relationship with Star Wars and Disney. It so continues. It continues. The saga continues, yeah. just like Star Wars. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, the saga continuing, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker trailer dropped. And if you haven't seen it yet, there is a folding lightsaber. That, what? Yeah. What? How does that even work? You haven't seen the trailer. Okay. We're going to go watch it after this, but <laughs> it starts off like this, and then it 
folds out and looks like Darth Maul's lightsaber for a double-sided. Oh, okay. I, I didn't even watch episode eight yet because you said it was bad. Well, so I was like, well, why am I going to watch that? Well, yeah, there's things like that. But the trailer looks really good, but I was fooled but last time by the trailer being really good. So I read an article this week where it was like, does it even matter if the movie's good? or do People does it will just see it to because, be completists. Yeah, and then the trailers just have to be good to get mm-hmm. people to go see it. So I feel like that's where Star Wars is at, but that's just me being a cynic. See, I start off good. <laughs> it's always back and forth back with and Star forth, Wars. Back and forth. <laughs> Um, and then something that I saw this week um, that's not premiering until next month, but it's a documentary miniseries um, produced by Steven Soderbergh, who's a really good independent filmmaker, um, and it's called Leavenworth. It chronicles a army officer who was convicted of murder and sent to jail for 19 years, and it's going to chronicle people that he was on his patrol with, the process of the legal proceedings, and then it has interviews with him in jail. So that's why it's called Leavenworth. And I'm intrigued by it. So that'll drop on stars. So if only you had that subscription. Um, But fall is Outlander coming back in the fall? No, don't even talk about it. They're not coming back until like next year, just like Game of Thrones did. Okay. Well, if you're hanging on to your stars subscription, just waiting for Outlander, maybe you should watch Leavenworth. If we, if we do a drop like that, do you think Stars would sponsor us? <laughs> <laughs> we can dream. Okay. What's your recommendations for the week? My recommendation, if you are on Instagram, particularly Bookstagram, um, hashtag Story September via Jenna Reads Books is just a little celebration of short stories and essays. So the... General idea is to read a short story or essay every day in September. And it's not too late to participate. It's not like you have to do it for the whole entire month. You can pick up whenever. But I today um, went around on my bookshelves and pulled off every short story collection or essay collection that I haven't read yet. And I have a stack of six or seven. Um, Three that are on this stack that I would like to get to and would recommend to you are The Source of Self-Regard by Toni Morrison. Um, This is a collection of her speeches and essays and that includes some of her classic writing. So I do think that that would count as classic literature. The Rendezvous by Daphne du Maurier. Um, She is the one who wrote Rebecca, which I think I recommended as a summer classic. And this is a collection of her short stories. She was writing in the 1930s, I believe. So that would be a great one to pick up if you're looking to read more classic literature. I think short stories and essays as classics are totally underrated and overlooked, but they're totally valid as classic literature. So if you don't want to read you know, The Count of Monte Cristo, which is the size of a brick, you can totally pick up short stories. Um, The last one that I would recommend is The Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter, which are really creepy, more modern fairy tale retellings. Um, And yeah, so look at the hashtag story September and maybe if it's one of your goals to read classic literature... Start with a short story instead of a book. Way less intimidating, and you get, I think, just as much out of it. So if you need some short story recommendations, feel free to email us or send us a DM, and I'm 
absolutely happy to provide. We want to remind everyone that we have three Libro FM memberships to give away. Uh, in order to win three months of free audiobooks, please take a minute to write a review on Apple Podcasts. Not just clicking a star rating, but actually typing a few words in the review box and helping more bookworms find our show. We're so grateful for those reviews, and we'd really like to hit 100 reviews by our one-year podcast anniversary, or podcast anniversary <laughs> in October. Uh, we need about 30 more reviews, so submit yours and tell a friend. We'll draw the winners and announce them on the show for October. Thank you for supporting the show with your reviews. And don't forget, just in case we didn't mention it enough during this episode, we are reading The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas through November. <laughs> this month, we will release our discussion on Recursion by Blake Crouch, which we read over summer. And spoiler, did not like very much. So that should be a really fun episode to listen to. Make sure that you're following us on Instagram for Buddy Read News and other announcements at he read, she read. You can also connect with us via email. Send us emails at hereadshereadpodcast at gmail.com. You could also go to our website and click on the email link. And you can sign on as a patron at patreon.com slash hereadshereed to get bonus content and behind-the-scenes info. Patrons this month can expect lots of extra classic stuff. This English teacher has some really fun things to post for you. So go and check us out there. Thank you all for listening. And remember, the couple that reads together... Let's Greg read whatever he wants to. You do you, Greg. (laughs) You do you. Read whatever you want.